This is the Action Network Podcast. But this one is good. All right, here we go. From the 10th, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello and welcome to the Action Network podcast. I am your host, Brandon Anderson, here with Raheem Palmer, ready to wrap up week 13 of NFL Sunday. Week 13, man, it's December. It is starting to feel like some playoff football. Good day to be a favorite. Favorites were nine and four against the spread today. Unless, of course, you're a favorite that we talked about on our Friday podcast. Raheem, we talked about the Chargers, the Seahawks, the Steelers. We were both on the underdogs on all three. I parlayed the money lines together, 16 to one. We hit it. It was a good day for me. I know that you had those three dogs as well. You had a pretty good week 13 as well, yeah? Oh, yeah. I had a really great week 13. I, I really can't complain. Right now, we started off our contest picks. We were 4-0. And we're pending the Patriots plus two and a half. We had the Dolphins. We had the Chargers. We had the Washington football team. And we had the Steelers. All dogs go to heaven except for the Dolphins. So I (laughs) I can't complain. And hopefully we can keep this thing going because I just entered the money in one of my pick'em contests. So hopefully we got 25 games left and hopefully we can catch on all of them. Is this, uh, will this be when our Patriots pick goes through will this be your first five and oh week of the season in that contest yeah it'd be my first five and oh week right. i just got to start getting those five and oh weeks to close out the season strong and we can get into the money all right well we will definitely come back to that patriots game we are excited to talk about that one monday night game of the season i think so we'll preview that one later we'll get to our hot read at the end before that of course we're going to run through the action from this week so as always odds come from bet mgm the official odds provider of the action network podcast and we had a lot of favorites, a lot of, a lot of our favorites won today, relatively comfortable. We're going to run through those same three games that we talked about on Friday because we knew that there were spots the underdogs might come through, and they all did. So I'll start out in Cincinnati. That was our upset in the early afternoon. Well, we've got another upset we'll come back to as well. But Chargers went to Cincinnati, went to the jungle, and took, took them to the pound. 41-22, to 22, game of runs. They got up 24-0. Bengals all the way back, 24-22, and then Chargers 17-0 run to end the game and end up winning pretty easily. So Chargers get the cover, plus 135 to the money line where it closed. Easy over here. Is this kind of what you expected as we talked about Friday, or how did this game look to you? This was one of the strangest games I've ever seen. <laughs> it's just because the Chargers came out on fire. We knew the offense would start rolling. Cincinnati had a lot of injuries coming in. It was sharp money all over the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers broke out to a 24-point lead. Obviously, the Bengals, it was eight about some turnovers. You had the, the fumble to start the game. Then you had the interception. Then you had the punt. And it just looked like the Chargers were going to run away with this. And then, for whatever reason, it's like the turnover bug reversed course. And then you had the Chargers turning it over on three straight drives up 24 to six and let them back into this game. And I'm like, oh my God, am I really going to have to sweat this game? Justin Herbert was sacked four times. He threw a pick. Joey Bosa went out and it just, just looked ugly until Trayvon Campbell, he, he got the 
the fumble from Joe Mixon, returned to 61 yards for a touchdown, and they got the two-point two point game to just turn it into a two-possession game just like that. So this was a, an exciting game and just super crazy. Yeah, the Chargers tried to reel harder Chargers it up, but the Bengals bungled it up. You know, two can play that game, it turns out. Two really big moments. You talked about one. Joe Mixon had two fumbles in this game. Nightmare game for Mixon. He was negative 0.80 EPA per rush, which is just an awful game against the league's worst running defense. He lost two fumbles, finished with negative 16 expected points on the day. So, you know, when the game has 63 points, losing 16 as a running back of expected value, not a good move there. That fumble, kind of, you know, the fumble six, essentially, it felt like that saved the game. It really felt like the game was slipping away from the Chargers. And then it was never really close again after that. The one before that, uh, you mentioned the interception in the first half. Joe Burrow hits Jamar Chase, possible rookie of the year, in the hands. Beautiful throw. He's probably going to score a touchdown. And not only does Chase not catch the ball, he bobbles it, and it bobbles up, and the Chargers get the interception out of it. So just like, that's a massive swing. And you're not going to win a lot of games when you get basically two touchdown swings on these, you know, unlucky, wonky turnover plays. So from that perspective, 41-22 makes it look like a blowout. If you take away those two wonky turnovers, you're basically looking at a pretty even game. So which one of those two do you think it is? Is this an even game or did the Chargers actually deserve to win by a lot? I think the Chargers deserve to win. I mean, they outperformed them in yards per play and passing yards. They had 7.3 yards per pass to the Bengals 5.7 yards per play. So maybe this is not a blowout, but I, I just felt like the, the Bengals didn't really have any answer for the, the Chargers offense for the most part. Maybe this, this is probably a closer game, but Chargers probably win this game by three. Yeah, I think, I think the Chargers win this game. Like if you play this out again, the Chargers are the better team. I don't think they win by this much always. I think the turnovers really push the margin of victory there, but the Chargers were the better team. One thing I noticed, too, I saw Pro Football Focus pointing this out. So very first drive, Justin Herbert drops back, long pass to Mike Williams, gets them right down inside you know, the five-yard line to score right after that. Second drive, long pass for Justin Herbert. Hey, guess what? Justin Herbert can do that. He has a huge arm, but we've said all season that the Joe Lombardi offense is not really dialing it up deep. Today, they did a little bit more. Herbert was, from Pro Football Focus, five of seven, for passes that went 20 or more yards down the field. And so he had 186 yards today, just from today, last five weeks of football, he was six of 11 for 184 yards on passes 20 yards down the field. So he basically matched five weeks of production today. And that's what they should have done because the Bengals secondary is beatable. This is what Herbert should do. So I'm a little optimistic. You know, we've we've dumped on the play calling pretty often. This was Herbert coming through, but they were giving him a little bit more chances to come through. So I, I do like that. Uh, both these teams are seven and five now. So obviously tied both only one back in the division, both only one back from the one seed. So how do you feel about either one of these teams going forward at this point? I feel like both of these teams are probably playoff teams, and I don't see any of them as true contenders. Like the Bengals, they, they gave up 41 points to the Browns, an offense that really can't do anything. They gave up 34 points to the Jets. So it's hard to look at this team as anything more than a fringe playoff contender. And then when you look at the Chargers, obviously they could be run on. 
the defense really isn't that great. So I think they have an upside because they have probably one of the best young quarterbacks in the league, but I'm not betting on Yeah, I don't think these teams are really on par with each other. I think that this actually maybe is kind of not from this game per se, but but maybe this is the beginning of the end for the Bengals for this season. Like they've taken a step forward. It's been a very good season. But look at the schedule down the stretch. They play the Niners next week. We're going to come back to that one, but that's a tough spot. The Niners are playing really good football despite the win today or loss today. They go at Denver. That's always a tough road trip. They play the Ravens and the Chiefs and then at Cleveland. Those are five very losable games. They could lose any or all of those five games. And only seven and five right now with a ton of teams in the mix. I'm not sure I feel great about their playoff chances. Chargers, on the other hand, play the Giants next week. That's a pretty good spot for them. They still get the Texans. That's pretty much a win at this point. And the other three games are the division. Chargers could win that division still. And the Chargers, maybe, depending on how things go with some of the other teams, could even end up a one or a two seed. So I think that they're still not, Los Angeles is still not a team ready to dominate. Um, But this is a a pretty big win for them. This puts them in a good spot. They're going to be eight and five next week. Once they beat the Giants, they'll be nine and five with a Houston win, not in that order. But the Broncos are beatable. The Raiders are beatable. The Chiefs offense isn't doing a whole lot. I think the Chargers could be alive for that division. So I, I will keep an eye on that. I definitely don't want to be betting too much in the Bengals at this point. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I, I, like, I'm not looking I'm, – personally, I'm not looking at futures on either one of these teams just because, yeah. like I said before, the, the Chargers defense, I just don't trust them at all. <laughs> so, Yeah, that's a fair point. The, it, it matters, too. Like you said, Burrow's pinky, I think, is a big deal, too. And uh, if, if he was healthy, maybe that comeback keeps, you know, stays on in the second half. I think that kind of threw things off a little bit. Uh, all right, let's, let's head west. I guess we're already a little bit west, but San Francisco and Seattle – we knew that would be a big division game in the NFC West. San Francisco closed as three-point favorites, but Seattle got the cover, got the win, plus 145 to the money line. Seattle wins 30-23. to 23. The Niners drive all the way down and then get stopped on fourth and goal to end the game, uh, which that was kind of the story of the game. The Niners were really good on early downs, really bad on late downs. So naturally, that's how things go. Really, really weird game, even by Seattle standards. I had a lot of weirdo notes on this game, but before we get to that, what, what did you think of this one? I, I think this, like, when you look at the box score of this game, it's totally misleading. The 49ers outgained them in yardage, they outgained them in yards per play, and they had three turnovers. So, like, both sides had three turnovers, and you, you watch this game, it felt like this was a game in which San Francisco was going to run away with this. They were up nine in the second quarter and somewhere along the line, this went left. And it appears that Russell Wilson and the Seattle offense is at least snapped out of their funk to a certain extent, but I'm not sure they're fully back. What do you think about that? Yeah. Wilson, if you look at his, uh, we've been watching like his advanced metrics, his completion over expected was really good today. Kind of back to what it normally is for him. So that's a good sign. He did look not like the usual Russ, but certainly better than the last few weeks. Garoppolo though, 20 of 30 for 300 yards. That's 10 yards per attempt, 15 yards per completion. Like they're passing all over them. George Kittle just running amok on the defense. Like he had that nice one where he tiptoed down the sideline and broke a touchdown. I swear I thought he was going to do it again toward the end of the game. And then he barely got pushed out of bounds. He was just doing anything he wanted. And so there's a bunch of weird, weird stuff that happened in this game. I agree with you. The Niners were the better team here. 
this is, you know, we talked about with Chargers Bengals. If they played again, Chargers would win. Maybe not by so much. I don't agree with that on this one. I think if they play this one again, the Niners win the game more often than not. And I think they win this game more often than not. But did what, what kind of weird stuff stood out to you in this game before I list off some of the things that I put in my notes? I mean, I think the biggest thing is it's just it, it just felt like the 49ers had control of this game. I wasn't that excited to, to watch. I, I felt like the 49ers were the better team. But when I saw the public all over the 49ers, this wasn't a side that I was like really interested in playing. And I actually get, like, I think I might've took the 49ers minus two and a half early in a week, just number grabbing, knowing where it was going to go. But as I'm watching the first half of the game, I'm like, Seattle's offense is starting to get it rolling a bit. Let me just try to hedge and try to get a middle. I think I bought back from Seattle at, at plus six and it clearly was the right decision. Yeah. So some of the weird stuff that I noted. So very first play of the entire game, San Francisco's kick returner, Trenton Cannon, gets a big injury. Like, ambulance on the field, gets carted off. So, weird start to the game, kind of weird mojo coming out. Seattle's first drive, they get ready to punt, and then they give it a handoff to Travis Homer. 73-yard fake punt touchdown. When do we ever see a fake punt touchdown on a run? He just takes off down the sideline and is gone. So that's a first weird play. First eight drives of the game are all four plays or less. So just back and forth, back and forth. Nothing's really happening. Somewhere in there, Seattle got a second and 43 somehow. And of course, because they're Seattle, they ran the ball on second and 43. So that was weird. End of the half, San Fran is up nine, like you said. Seattle's trying to drive, failing. We get two roughing the passer calls on the same drive. Keeps the drive alive. Seattle gets the touchdown. Suddenly it's 23-21 at the half. And it's like, all right, let's see where we go. Start the second half. San Francisco fumbles the opening kickoff. Why? Because their kick returner has been out from the beginning of the game. So their backup fumbles it. So Seattle gets the ball at the goal line. Here's their chance. I'm excited. I picked Seattle. Nope. Interception at the goal line. So San Fran gets the ball in it back anyway. Nope. Safety. Now we're tied 23-23. So this is only like the halftime. It's already going crazy. Seattle had two possessions that started at the 28 and the 26. They got no points out of it. Uh, late in the game, Seattle's driving and, or yeah, Seattle gets stopped. San Fran needs the ball back badly down a touchdown. Nope. We got a late hit on a defenseless receiver. Another first down for Seattle. Just so many weird bounces this game. Some of them did go Seattle's way. A lot more went San Fran's way. So good for Seattle to get the win. I think that's kind of even things out here. I still feel pretty good about the Niners going forward. Yeah, I think I feel good about them going forward as well. I think they're, they're, they're a team that could challenge for a playoff spot. As long as everybody's healthy, it'd be nice to see what happens when they get Debo Samuel back. So we'll see what happens. And a shouts to my guy, Adrian Peterson. Big touchdown today for, for his Seattle Seahawks. Longtime Seahawks, Peterson. 126 touchdown. Ties Jim Brown, top 10 all time. So good job, AD. Let's go to Pittsburgh. Another game that did not look that exciting, but ended up, well, not necessarily being exciting. We got a good finish, though. Steelers 20, Ravens 19. Just like every Ravens-Steelers game in history, it's a close one at the end. Ravens drive down, get the touchdown, decide to go for two for the win. Drew up a pretty good play. Mark Andrews was open. Lamar missed him. Ball bounces off his hands. I mean, literally, we're like an inch or two away. Even a, like. 
one inch closer. I think he tips it to himself and catches it, and the Ravens get the win. But that was 12 seconds left. Pittsburgh recovers the onside, which, by the way, Justin Tucker kicked with his off foot, but didn't recover. So good for Tucker. Steelers win and down with the one seed in the AFC. Weird game, weird result. Steelers get the upset win like they do. Is this what you thought was coming from this game? Oh, yeah, this is exactly what I thought was coming. Look, Pittsburgh, they got blown out last week. They were coming home. As we said before on on Strong Side Friday's podcast, Steelers and the, and the Ravens, they're normally a three-point game either way. But when I'm watching the first half of this game, it felt like the Ravens absolutely dominated. Yep. They drove down the field with ease. And then Lamar Jackson throws an interception on just an ill-advised pass. They had some penalties that backed them up. But it, it just felt like this was their game to absolutely dominate. And you look at Stillers' offense, they were barely on the field in that first half. So it's like the Ravens, at one point, I think they were, what were they? They were like four for six on third down. They were converting every third down. Yeah, They had no problems. Let me give you a first half stat I saw. Ravens' first half had the ball 23 minutes and 30 seconds out of the 30. That's the most for any team in the first half the last 20 seasons. That's six minutes and 30 seconds for Pittsburgh, 23 and a half for the Ravens, but only up 7-3 at halftime. I agree. Like, I'm watching. I have my money line ticket with Steelers and Seahawks, and I'm like, oh, well, we got the first one. We're not going to get the other two because San Fran and Baltimore are totally in control. And, yeah, then it just the Baltimore didn't put it away. I think the interesting thing, I'm watching the game, and – Baltimore, they've struggled to run the ball all year long. Yep. It, it felt like Devontae Freeman was like a like making a total huge impact. They it just like, look, if Baltimore is going to be able to run the ball with guys outside of Lamar Jackson, you're not going to be able to beat this team. So like I'm going into the second half, and I'm like, even as I'm watching it, I'm like, you know what? This Baltimore's still going to find a way in order for this to be close. Because if it's just 7-3 at halftime. At some point, the other team's going to start playing better. And, you know, I was really impressed with Big Ben today. Obviously, he had the one pass in the first half to Deontay Johnson, which dropped. But I think if he catches that, maybe the Steelers win this by even more. And they don't need to, to take this down to the last possession. But Big Ben probably played the best game of the last two seasons I've seen. Yeah, he was good. And, you know, uh, well, then he had another prime timing game a couple weeks ago, the Chargers game, that he looked pretty good in, too. So, I, eh. You know, we, we've heard now, apparently word is leaked out. You guys won't believe this, but it's Big Ben's last season. Now we know, thank God, it's time. Put him to pasture. But maybe he's got one little stretch left in here. They're kind of hanging around still. Yeah, Deontay Johnson finished with two touchdowns, but dropped that third one that he could have had. Ravens went two of five in the red zone. Not going to get the job done. That's what this team is supposed to do well. That's what Lamar Jackson is supposed to be the cheat code for. So that's not going to do, do well. Um, another thing too, that I noticed that two point attempt at the end. So one thing as a, somebody that had the Pittsburgh cover great, because you pretty much get the cover locked in on that one. Either way, Pittsburgh money line. I'm not feeling so great about it till it came through that two point attempt saved, you know, Pittsburgh could have, it goes tied, goes to overtime. Baltimore could have got a touchdown and one and covered still. And we're at 40 points. The total is 44. So the under was, you know, the over was possibly in play too. So if you had on either side of that one, that two-point conversion came into play, 
What did you think of going for two in that spot? Did you like the move or did you think it was a little too bold? I tend to always like the move. And that's, that's a move that has worked out successful, successfully for Baltimore. That's the reason why they were eight and three coming into this game. So you can't, if, if you're criticizing Baltimore for that move, you're basically saying you don't like the, the Ravens at all. So I thought it was a good move. I just Lamar's got to get that pass to them. But I just think it's interesting. Like when you look at this Ravens offense, they failed to score 20 points in six out of their last seven games. As you said before, they had issues in the red zone. They had three drives inside the pit 15 and ended up with six combined points. So this offense is, is it's, it's a struggle. And, you know, one of my friends today, he's, he actually wants to bet the Ravens to miss the playoffs. Wow. And they got a big game coming up against the Browns next week. We're coming off a bye, and this team could be in a really bad spot. We could be looking at them very similar to how we looked at the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I think so. I noticed that coming into today, so Baltimore was the one seed. They're 8-3, obviously 8-4 now. Coming into today, they had a minus 8 turnover differential, which is third worst in the NFL. As the one seed in the AFC, they had allowed more touchdowns than they scored touchdowns this year. That is not the profile of a one seed. So is Baltimore a bad team? No. But I think Baltimore might be a, an average or a little above average team that's been masquerading as the one seed, kind of like Tennessee. I think we think similar things about the Titans. The Titans aren't bad either, but they're probably not great. They were really never the one seed. Maybe there isn't really a one seed. They're just as somebody has to, you know, we'll get to the Monday night game. I think that team becomes the winner of that one becomes the one seed favorite. Um, but yeah, it's a rough spot for them. Again, Cleveland played Baltimore last week, plays Baltimore next week. They're sitting at home on their couches, resting, watching this game while Baltimore is doing this smash mouth Pittsburgh game, getting tired out, losing at the end here. So it's a tough spot coming back for them next week. We didn't mention too, Marlon Humphrey, their big, their great cornerback out for the season with a shoulder injury. They're already down Marcus Peters. Now they're down Marlon Humphrey. Like their third, fourth, and fifth guys have been questionable every week for a while now. So I, I don't know if I'm ready to put them out of the playoffs. I think it's in play just because everything is so congested. And I do think that this, again, this is a spot where they're going to rule losing this game and not getting that two-point conversion. I really think it's going to have ripple effects on the whole playoff picture. We've got five teams in the AFC with four losses. We got four more with five losses. So that's nine teams within one game of the one seed, 12 teams within two games. The 13th seed is Miami. They're on a five game winning streak. Like the entire AFC other than those bottom few teams is all right there. So this is a tough one. I do think Baltimore is in a little bit of trouble here. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. (laughs) It definitely is some trouble. Well, another team that's in trouble and hope to God a coach who is in trouble are Mike Zimmer and my Minnesota Vikings, who as a team and coaching staff and franchise collectively are our stink of the week. Smell it, smell it, smell it. It's the smell. It's quite pungent. Dude, plug your nose. It stinks. This is your stink of the week. So you guys know what happened by now. The Vikings went to Detroit. Lions close as seven-point underdogs. The Vikings do what they do. They, they control things early. They're driving the ball. First quarter, good team all season. But they stalled. Only two field goals. 
Gotta change our stat now. The Vikings have led by six or more in every single game, no longer seven. But then they let the Lions back in the game. Minnesota's in Detroit territory all game, but not closing the door. And the Lions do what they do. Cousins leads a comeback late. It looks like he's going to get only his third win ever in 29 tries, trailing, entering the fourth quarter. But nope, ball goes back to the Lions. And Detroit goes, how, what was it, 75 yards in 14 plays, a minute 50 with no timeouts. Jared Goff right down the field and a walk-off touchdown on the last play of the game. Longtime Vikings fans, this one gave me shades of Josh McCown to Nate Poole. I don't know if you remember that one, Raheem. 2003, last day of the season, the Vikings are playing the 3-2 and two Cardinals all we have to do is beat the three and two Cardinals and we're in the playoffs and Josh McCown throws to Nate Poole on fourth and 25 on the last play of the game gets pushed out of bounds, which is legal now, but wasn't then. And so they called it a touchdown and that was the end of the season. This kind of feels like the end of the season for the Vikings. Very eerily familiar to me. My Vikings are the stink of the week. I got more things to say about this team, but I, I got to give it over to you. What'd you think of the Lions here? The Vikings are just probably the most frustrating team in the league to me, just because they consistently get into the red zone. They consistently, they're unable to, to score touchdowns. And look, Mike Zimmer has to go. I've been saying it for weeks. It's just like, what do you do with this team that's just so talented? They've had a six point lead in 12 games this season. But I, I did think there was going to be some issues coming into this game. Obviously, they had some some injuries on defense, which kind of makes it tough. But this is still an inexcusable loss. You can't lose a game to this to this Lions team if you're a playoff team. You have all this talent, so I'm interested in seeing what happens the rest of the season. If they're they're probably going to clean house at the end of the year. I don't know if you could could fire Zimmer right now with the Pittsburgh game on deck. So yeah, I mean that's the problem. The Vikings play Thursday, so I don't know like. In almost any other spot for almost any other franchise, by like noon Monday, Zimmer is getting his his walking papers. Like, I don't even know he makes it to the locker room after the game for a lot of teams, and he shouldn't. Fire Mike Zimmer. He's got to go. This is the seventh game of the season for the Vikings that ended on the final play of the game. Seven games on a walk-off play. Mike Zimmer, what's he known for? His defense, right? Minnesota has had eight drives this game where the defense has been on the field facing either a tying or game-winning drive. Guess how many times Minnesota's defense has gotten a stop out of eight? I'll give you a hint. Zero. No times. The defense can't get off the field. They can't get a stop. It's embarrassing. The offense in the first half had five times inside Detroit's territory out of their six drives, five possessions, six points, including because it's Kirk Cousins, the last one ending on a fourth down intentional grounding. Kirk Cousins got an intentional grounding on a fourth down. Throw the ball to someone that can catch it. That's you, all you have you, to do on fourth down. You know what's more egregious than that? When's the last time you've seen an NFL team win a game going two for 11 on third down? Not That's just what, two for 11. The Lions were 0 for 9 with a minute and five seconds left. They converted, they converted their last two third downs or two of their last three. They were oh for everything before that. It's even worse than you thought. The Lions actually went for it 
inside of their own <laughs> territory to give the, the Vikings the lead. Yep. I've never seen, like, I'm all for aggression, but there's certain, certain times where you just got to cut the mad stuff out. That, that was probably the most egregious thing. It felt like it was Groundhog Day and we were just going to watch the Lions give away another game. And somehow the Vikings didn't win it. Yeah, they turned it over on their own 27, gifted the Vikings the lead, and then the Vikings were like, no, 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 you're too nice. You have it back. The Lions hadn't scored 20 in a game since the season opener. The Lions scored 20 in the second quarter of this game. Remember last week we talked about how the Vikings, the last two minutes of the half, are averaging six points allowed per game for the season. So Detroit's driving. It's near halftime. Minnesota, miraculously, gets a stop. The Lions settle for a field goal. Only three points. The Vikings are going to get the average down from six. No, no. Minnesota's committed to this six-point average. The Vikings go a quick three and out, get back to the Lions. Detroit drives down again for a second field goal in the final two minutes of the half. Right back at that six points average. This is just what the Vikings do. Lions get their first win since December 6, 2020. So what is that, like 363, four days ago? Uh, by the way, I think we got to contest the result. Lions score a touchdown in the last play to go up two. No extra point. What if the Lions would have fumbled and the Vikings recover and go back all the way? I know it sounds crazy, but it is the Lions. I think that you got to replay the whole game. Throw it out. <laughs> throw it over here. That's, that's hilarious. And I mean, the Lions probably would have just kneeled, but I I'm do sure kind of miss the Lions. The Lions might have fumbled and kneeled down. Yeah, I, I kind of miss those old rules where <laughs> you got a chance to actually kick the extra point after it. Actually, somebody posted the video the other day where Drew Bledsoe threw a game-winning touchdown in 94, and the Bills actually walked off the field, and the Pete Carroll-led Patriots actually just went for two. They covered the spread. So <laughs> That's great. I, it actually it is the rules right now. Like Detroit should have had to line up and go for it. I'm not actually angry that they didn't because you're not going to fumble and kneel down. But I, I really don't know why the refs didn't make them go for it. Good news here, though. But they, they don't have to go for it anymore. When, like now, if it's a walk-off touchdown and it doesn't decide the game, you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to um, kick the extra point. But it does, though, because it's a two-point game. So the two-point means that it still is up in the air because you could, if Minnesota returns it for two, then it goes to overtime. So I think that's oh, no, but I, I guess I guess with the, the, the score... I mean, yeah. you're technically right, but I think when it comes to this. Hey, with, think- with the Vikings, I got to get my wins where I can. I'll take the technicalities. Good news, everyone. Your Minnesota Vikings are on primetime this week and next week. You get two Vikings games in a row. Come on in. The water is nice. Enjoy them with me. Let's hit the rest of Sunday's action and wrap up week 13. Andy Reid goes to 20-3 and three lifetime off the bye week. Chiefs win in a Sunday night under 22-9. to nine. Still not much offense from the Chiefs, but they did shut down the Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater fails to cover as a road dog of three or more for only the second time in 17 career starts. Buccaneers beat the Falcons 30-17. Tampa controlled all the way. MVP favorite Tom Brady had 368 yards and four touchdowns. Five if you count the one to Atlanta. Bonus stink of the week. Atlanta's Russell Gage dropped a touchdown on the last play of the game. That would have covered for the Falcons and hit the over. Brutal beat if you're on the other side of that one. Kyler Murray was back for the Cardinals. Four touchdowns for him. Arizona goes to 10-2 and two with a 33-22 win over the Bears. 
Andy Dalton was extremely Andy Dalton, fumbled two snaps, four interceptions, and Chicago kept this fake close just because they were four on four, four and third down, three of three in the red zone. Arizona mostly in control all the way. Dolphins beat the Giants 29 in a boring under. Neither team had 300 yards of offense, but Miami did get their fifth win in a row. They're only the fourth team in NFL history to improve from one and seven to six and seven. And the Jets are next. So maybe 500 on tap. Speaking of the Jets, the Jets and Eagles scored touchdowns on the first six possessions of the game in the Gardner Minshew Zach Wilson showdown that was promised from our forefathers. New York, however, failed to score any of their extra points on all three touchdowns. First team in 40 years to do that. They missed two of them on kicks, then went for two and missed it, then didn't score again in the last 40 minutes, and the Eagles won big. Washington drove for a late field goal winner over the Raiders, 17-15. Maybe a little help from the refs on that final drive there. Washington, four wins in a row, six and six, and the sixth seed in the NFC now. All five Washington games left are in the division. They actually control their destiny in the NFC East. The Rams finally had their get-right game against the Jaguars, 37-7. Easy win and cover, though it did stay under. And the Texans got shut out, 31-0, nine first downs and only 141 yards against the Colts. First team since Carolina in 2002 to lose two 30-point shutouts in the same season. So that is your Houston Texans. Let's hear a quick word from our sponsor and get to Monday Night Football. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. That sync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, Monday night. We're excited for this one. We've been waiting for this one. We're excited to preview it. New England, currently the AFC one seed at this very moment, heads to Buffalo. The Bills are two and a half point favorites. It's a huge AFC East battle. It's a huge battle at the top of the AFC. Total is at 41.5. Raheem, you and I both took this one on the look ahead a week ago tonight. I know you like New England then. Are you still on New England now? Yeah, I still like New England. I think this spot really sets up really well for New England. Look, 
there's some weather issues in this game. And we're looking at some snow showers, possible some rain. And they're talking about 25 mile, an hour, mile per hour winds. And that's the sweet spot for when you see games start to go under. So that's why we've seen this total get steamed down from 45 to 41. But if that wind doesn't come in, I think you're going to actually, you want to monitor that. And I think you want to look over because regardless of the snow, regardless of the rain, it's the wind that decides these totals more than anything else. Rain, it actually kind of helps the offenses a little bit. Same with the snow because the offensive player knows where they're going. The defensive player doesn't, but it's the wind that forces teams to not be able to throw the ball. As far as the Patriots, look, this Patriots team is rolling. Look, if you got some bad weather going on, I think one of the biggest things is that the Patriots actually can run the ball. And that's not something that the Bills can do. Bill Belichick is going to be able to put together a solid game plan. New England's forced 17 turnovers during a six-game win streak. And it's kind of tough to imagine a scenario, especially in rainy weather, where Josh Allen isn't going to turn the ball over. He's had seven interceptions over the last four games. I know you like the the Patriots. What's your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. I am a little worried about whether the Patriots will be able to run the ball. The Bills defense has been really good all season, especially their D line has been great against the run. So it does feel like it's going to be tough to come by offense in this game. It feels like a low scoring game, even without the weather factor. The Patriots can be run on, but the Bills can't really run, really run the ball. And their pass defense has been awesome. Uh, we got by DVOA, the Patriots are number two. The Bills are number three. By defense DVOA, the Patriots are number two. The Bills are number one. So this is that matchup that we've been waiting for. And if it's an all defense matchup, you have to feel good if you're on the Bill Belichick side. Like the guy, the guy lives and breathes defense. So I definitely like that. I like the Patriots pass rush here. They've been at Football Outsiders, their top five rated pass rush. And I think the Bills line is beatable. And you get in on Josh Allen. Now he can't scramble quite as easily. Now he's maybe under pressure, make, making that turnover, that big play. A question I have here, though, this is a big game for Mac Jones. Obviously, Mac has played in a few big games in his life at Alabama. He's played in national championships. He's been in this moment before, but this is a tough, tough road atmosphere, bad weather potentially, playing a great defense, better than any defense he's played in the NFL. We've talked a lot about Buffalo has had a rough strength of schedule. They played a lot of easy teams. They're high variance. New England really has had the same thing. We have to be fair. They haven't beaten anyone that great in the stretch either. And they have a lot of the same issues. So do you trust Mac Jones in any measurable way more than you trust Josh Allen in the spot? Because I think that's the same question for both, isn't it? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I, and for me, look, this guy played Tom Brady to like a stalemate almost. Uh, they, they became, they were within a field goal away from beating Brady on his way, way back home. So I'm not that worried about Mac Jones. And then one of the big things that you have to consider is that while the Bills are the league's best defense by every metric, they're going to take a hit without cornerback Tredavious White, who's out for the season with a torn ACL. According to NFL Next Generation Stats, White allowed a 50.8 completion percentage and a 58.9% passer rating to opposing quarterbacks. 
and he didn't allow a touchdown. So his loss is a pretty big loss for this team. Look, I know the, the plus two and a half isn't ideal, but and there's some sharp money on the other side taking the Bills as they look at this team as being underrated. But to me, I don't think this Bills team is the same team that they were last year. Look, this is a team that struggled against the Jaguars. The Bills are just three and four when facing teams outside of the Dolphins, Jets, and Texans. Outside of the Chiefs, they don't have some some great wins. So I'm not that concerned. Yeah, I think that that's fair. We've talked about that with the Bills a lot this year. However, Mac Jones, when New England has played a team that was top 10 in DVA, when they played three, three times this season, we got the Cowboys. He had interception, a bad one that game, and a couple sacks. Against the Bucks. he had interception on four sacks and had a couple of really tough moments, even though he, he kept them in the game, but a couple rookie plays. Against the Saints, the other one, he had three interceptions, basically two pick sixes, one that was actually a touchdown and one that came back to like the five. New England lost all three of those games. They were in two of them, but they went 0-3 versus 8-1 in their other games. So I think if we're being fair, you have to say the same things about Mac Jones and New England that we are about Buffalo. Like really, we're going to learn a lot about both sides in this game because for both of them, like this is the toughest game that they're playing outside of their own practice against their own defense most of the time. So I do worry about Josh Allen last year against New England, last game that he played them 320 yards and four touchdowns lit up the Patriots defense. But we know the Patriots were not good last year. They were not themselves. They had a lot of COVID guys out for the season in all the Josh Allen's games before that his averaging 183 yards a game, 50% completion percentage with three touchdowns across five games and six interceptions and nine sacks. He hasn't really run on them. He's only a one in three in those games. And obviously, to be fair, Josh Allen has improved over the years. So it's not really fair to focus on old Josh Allen games and throw out the one good one. I just think there's a lot of questions we answered on, on both sides here. You mentioned Tredavious White. Do you think that he's actually a big loss for this specific game? I think he's a huge loss for Buffalo, but New England doesn't really have a receiver that he was going to take away anyways. Do you think he's a big deal here? I think anytime you lose a number one cornerback of his stature, it's a big loss. Now, obviously, he's not going out there guarding Justin Jefferson, but this this is a, a Patriots offense that's that's been rolling. And the question I have for you is, how do you differentiate between having recency bias and a team drastically improving? And I think that's the, that's the thing that's going to show up here. Like, how much weight do you put on those last six games because they came against inferior competition? Some of that is a rookie quarterback improving as he's going on along the year. When he played the Saints, I think that was the second week of the season. So it's like, there's only so much you can expect. And then even in the games against Tampa Bay and Dallas, he went toe-to-toe with those teams. Like, And those are two of the best teams in the NFC. So if you have a rookie quarterback who's just starting out, they, they really just had the training wheels on. And he's going toe-to-toe. I mean, yeah. we're, we're, we're 13 games in now. I guess what I would say to that is we got to be careful, and I know you know this, but we have to be careful to not reduce this to a quarterback head-to-head game. New England went toe-to-toe in those games. That's true. Bill Belichick went toe-to-toe. The defense went toe-to-toe. Mac Jones was along for the ride. Like No, but I I, got to push back on that because the reason why I push back on that is because even after Mac Jones threw the interception, 
to, to pretty much ice the game for Dallas, he came right back on the next play. Like, it's not, oh, 10-play drive. The next play, he went to the same guy and threw a yeah. touchdown. So it's like he's kind of he's kind of there going toe-to-toe. Like, he's the quarterback. He's the most important position on the field. He's not – this is not Trent Dilfer for the no, Ravens, for sure. who's basically – he's along for the ride. You give us 10 points, they're not going to score. That's not happening here. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I just think we should be careful that, like, it's easy to say, okay, we got a rookie quarterback. It's a quarterback's league. The Patriots struggled a little bit early, and now they're winning all the games. Therefore, Mac Jones, what a guy he has become. Like, Mac Jones has been fine. He's been a nice, like, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo level sort of, like, fine quarterback. That's not a diss. Those are quality quarterbacks. When the system's good, when the blocking's there, when the defense is good, that's fine. For a rookie to do that is a compliment. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. He's, it's just different to go to Buffalo against the league's top defense so far and still do that. It's a bigger ask. So we just don't know. We don't know if he can do it yet. Uh, a couple friends, we talked about these before. Uh, Bill Belichick loves the underdog spot, especially against a team like Buffalo that loves to, to pass deep. You know, we, we know how he sets up against that like he has against the Chiefs, has against uh, the Bucs, teams like that. Belichick is an underdog, 29-14-2 against the spread since 2003, 67% cover rate, 24-21 straight up. So winning record as a dog, and also 21-13-2 against the spread versus the Bills' lifetime, so 62% there. We also know that short road dogs have been awesome this year, 53-22 and 22 against the spread. Uh, for the season, 71% cover rate. They were 2-1 and one again today. I think the Chargers were one of those. Washington was one of those. They both got the win on the road. Monday night, division road dogs uh, as short underdogs, 63% cover rate. There are a lot of trends here that lean the same way both of us are, which is toward the Patriots. I think for me, I'm still on the Patriots, but I'm probably not going to play the money line here I liked it a lot better at three and a half past the key number. I still like the two and a half. I don't know if I see enough value in the money line. And I could see in what might be a low scoring game, a one or a two point win. So if I think that's a real possibility, then I don't see much value to do the money line too. This game being under three, kind of got to look to the money line. I think the Patriots personally are just the better team in this spot. A lot of sharps on the other side who definitely disagree with me. When you look at the Patriots, they actually haven't faced the top 13 DVOA ranked team since they lost to Dallas in mid-October. I know this is a hostile place to play, but I think the weather, the way Josh Allen's turned the ball over, look, they didn't really impress me with their game against the Saints last week. Typically, I tend to upgrade teams coming off a spot where they have extended rest off a Thursday. But to me, that was a game where if the Saints had any competent quarterback play, they make it a game. So I'm, I'm running with the Patriots here. I'm going with the plus two and a half, going with the money line. I have the Patriots I'm in my contest at plus two and a half. So I'm riding with it. Some sharps on the other side, but I think this AFC East is the Patriots to win. Well, I'm with you on the Patriots. I'm not quite as confident as you are. I think we flipped a little bit from where we were a week ago, but I still do like New England here. We've been hot. We got all three of our underdogs that we agreed on on Sunday's game. So maybe we'll finish it out with the fourth here. I know, though, on the favorites podcast, 
Diamond and Chad both really like Buffalo in this one. So it does make me a little hesitant, but we're going head to head here. Podcast to podcast. We're on the Patriots. Those guys are on the Bills. It should be a really good game. I'm excited to watch it. And I probably want to keep Peyton and Eli on the back burner. I need to get like the real broadcast and get into the flow of the game on this one. I've actually never watched Peyton and Eli. Look, <laughs> Peyton and Tom Brady are like Pepsi and Coke. You got to choose one or you got to choose the other. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Brady guy. Brady's the, the cooler quarterback. This is going to be some guys who's going to say Peyton Manning's a better quarterback, but I've been saying it for years. Tom Brady is like Alonzo from training day. You give him 18 months, he'll give you a career. He didn't necessarily have, until Randy Moss came, he didn't necessarily have the Reggie Waynes or the Marvin Harris's. He just got it done with whoever he got it done with. So I, I kind of keep the Manning stream off. If there's a Brady stream, one day I'll, I'll roll with that. Oh, man. I, I can't even <laughs> respond to that. I, I got to know which one's Pepsi and which one's Coke. I, I'm going to go with Brady. Brady's Coke, man. Like, yeah. he, he's, he's just the, the cream of the crop. Classic. Yeah. Well, let's get you guys out of here with our week 14 hot read. Hot rock. Blue 17. Nice right. Ice cream. Jose. We're going to make some picks for next week's games. I'm going to start out with the pick that I already made on the look ahead a couple days ago. I'm going to stick with the 49ers on the road in Cincinnati, plus one and a half now, still underdogs right now. I don't think it's going to be that way for long. 49ers, I think, will end up favorites by the time that this kicks off. This is just me saying that I still believe in this spot. The Niners, we talked a lot about them on here. This is just a bad spot for the Niners. They they went on the road in Seattle in a division game and they got a lot of bad bounces, but they look good. They're a really dominant looking team. They're just a better team than the Bengals right now who did not look as good today. Joe Burrow's got that pinky injury. It looks like he shouldn't miss time, but you got to think that maybe affects his accuracy. He's already not really a huge arm. So accuracy is his game. We know that road dogs have been good this season. Kyle Shanahan, not great as a favorite. You don't want him there. As an underdog, 59% cover rate against the spread. So I like the Niners here. I don't think he'll be an underdog when this one kicks off. I'm going to grab it while they are. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. I like that. I think my model makes this game closer to a pick em. Then we already spoke about the losses that Cincinnati had. Joe, Joe Burrow's banged up. We don't know how that's going to impact him next week. They lost some guys on defense. So I agree with you on that. I'm going to go with the under. 43 and a half on this Browns Baltimore Ravens game. When you look at these two offenses, they're really struggling. The Ravens are just 18th at EPA per play. The Browns are just 17th at EPA per play. What do the Browns like to do? They like to run the ball. So that means they're going to be chewing up a lot of clock. We look at the Ravens. They haven't scored over 20 points in six of the last seven games. It's a tough divisional battle. Baltimore's third division game in a row. I just don't know if that offense is ready to get going. Cleveland's coming off a body. should be a little bit healthier. It's going to be a tough divisional matchup, and this should go under the total. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. You know, you and I are on the Buckets podcast, talking NBA a lot. In the NBA, there are a lot of what we call schedule losses, where it's just, it's a bad spot. You're coming off a back-to-back, or, you know, you, you traveled a lot, and your opponent's waiting for you. This really feels like a schedule loss sort of spot for Baltimore here. It's just, it's a tough spot to, for them to travel to Cleveland after a black and blue division game, after another division game. 
it's just a hard spot. So I, I'm not sure what to make of that game yet, but I do see a lot of kind of danger red flags up going for Baltimore here. Uh, I'm going to go for my other hot read pick. I'm going to go with the game that I know that you and I will talk more about on Friday when we, when we review it, but I'm going to grab the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home minus three against the Buffalo bills. I think the bucks are better. That's really it. I think the bucks are better. And at minus three, I'm going to grab it because I expect that line to possibly go up. Certainly if the Patriots go to Buffalo and get the win, that line is not going to be three anymore. Even if they don't, even if Buffalo gets a close win or something, I don't really know that I see that line dropping below three in Tampa with Tom Brady, who knows how to play the bills just a few times in his life. And it's, you know, Tampa is much better at home. If it does stay close, Bruce Arians in home toss-up games where it's three points or less on the spread, 16, eight and two against the spread lifetime. So 67%. Tom Brady looked a lot better today. Looked very sharp on his throws. I do think we talk about Tredavious White. I'm not sure Buffalo misses him a lot against New England. Guarantee it, they're going to miss him against Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. He's a big loss for this game. I think it's going to be a lot of points. I trust Tampa to put up the points more than I trust Buffalo to. Both secondaries a little banged up, and I know I want Tom Brady over Josh Allen. We'll talk more about this one, but there are a few minus threes out there. I'm going to grab that before it moves past it because I think it's definitely going to move up as the week goes on. Oh, yeah, it's already moving as we speak. There's some three and a halfs in the market. We're also seeing that total get steamed up as well. This total opened up at 53. There's 53 and a halfs in the market. There's a a 52 here and there. This spread goes up a little bit. I kind of may want to get involved on Buffalo. And I say that just because Tampa Bay's defense, I still don't necessarily trust them right now. They still have some guys banged up. And I think this could be a spot where Buffalo's offense can really get it rolling. This is the t- this is a tough matchup. I think it's priced pretty accurate. Yeah, I, I think I, I don't disagree with that, but I think that there's a possibility that the Patriots get a close win. This mm-hmm. line kind of reopens at maybe four, four and a half. I think the public comes in on Tampa, Tom Brady at home, Super Bowl champs. Maybe it gets to five, maybe six. I don't nah, even it's, not mind. Going, it's, not, it's not going that far. I don't know if it goes that far, but if it does, I don't mind the chance to grab the middle on that one. I think that that's right where it could end up. I agree that by the end of the week, maybe this gives value on Buffalo. But right now, while there's a three, I like that. I did look at the over as well. I don't play totals too often, but it does seem like a game that's going to get some points. I do think we'll get a lot of money on the over. Uh, what's your other hot read before we get out of here? Well, the hot read is the same thing from strong, the same play from strong side Fridays. Look, this Jets defense is terrible. You saw it today. Gardner Minshew got out there and he did whatever he wanted to do. Look, he had 20 of 25, 242 yards and two touchdowns. Dallas Gallard went out there, six receptions, 105 yards and two touchdowns. I know the Saints offense has been struggling, but Trevor Simeon should be back. I'm going over 44 in the Saints-Jets game. Look, the Saints have had some disappointing games on defense. I, I see this game going over. The Saints are laying six. I don't know how you lay six with the Saints, but this total is way too low. You cough sneeze and you can get over it. The only thing that is going to kill this is possibly some weather. So I'm going to go over here. Yeah, you know, I did not like this pick a lot on Friday because of Taysom Hill. And Taysom Hill, I was worried was going to Taysom, uh, all four Taysom starts in his career 
maybe five starts have been 45 points or less. You know, it's just different sort of team with him. But with them out, back to Trevor Simeon, I like it a lot better now. So I think I think we you know we lucked into Noah Taysom and a very different looking Saints team. But yeah, Jets are very bad. The defense is very bad. We should be able to see some points on this one. I also I think one of the interesting things we did give this out on Friday it was forty three. Now we've seen them reopen this back at forty four. So I don't know if it's going to get too high. And I think at some point you may see some buyback the other way if people start to push this up. Obviously, the Jets and the Eagles, they played a shootout. And I think we could see the same thing next week, barring any weather. We are headed for the winter months in the East Coast. Yeah. It's December. Christmas is coming. Santa Claus is coming to town. Hopefully, he doesn't come to town too early. We don't have to worry about any reindeer and everything <laughs> like that. Weather. So, we go over. Well, hopefully, Santa Claus came early for you listeners out there with the picks Raheem and I gave out on all these underdogs that we had today. Raheem, hopefully you get to 5-0 and with the Patriots on your uh, win and cover tomorrow on your pick, your first 5-0 and for your contest. And we will be back Friday for another look to the next weekend on week 14 and a look ahead. This is what we do. Look ahead and hot read. We're giving you guys value. Last week we had 49ers and we had the Saints over. Now we're back, backing them again, and both lines are already moving in the right direction. So you got to grab those while you can. That will wrap it up today at the Action Network podcast. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and review and get on that app where you can see all of our picks. Ducky and Raybon are back Wednesday with their six-pack betting guide. As I said, Raheem and I are back Friday. For Raheem Palmer, I'm Brandon Anderson, and this has been the Action Network podcast. We are on to week 14. <laughs>